Hello and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Shani Tarragon and today we're going to begin the second category of Parshat Vayikra discussing the Karbanot Chuba, the obligatory offerings that must be brought by a person should he transgress one of God's laws. Therefore, as we mentioned yesterday, this section is going to be organized by events based on the type of sins committed that will determine which offering is required. The first event is an unintentional transgression of any of God's mitzvot, or to quote the beginning of Perek Dalid, chapter 4, The Torah explicates that specifically, someone who sinned bishgaga unintentionally, mikol mitzvot Hashem, particularly in mitzvot that are committed against God, such a person is required to bring the korban chatat, the obligatory sin offering. Each one of the parshiot in chapter 4 is going to begin with a different person who has to bring such a korban, and the header will repeat as long as he has sinned against one of the mitzvot of Hashem, whether it is the kohen that is going to sin against God, or in Pasuk Yud Gemol, kol adat Yisrael vasu achat mikol mitzvot Hashem, or Pasuk Chavbet, verse 22, Nasi, Vasa Achat Mikol Mitzvot Hashem, or Pasuk Chavzayin, Nefesh Achat, that also went against Achat Mi Mitzvot Hashem. Each one of these people is required to bring a Korban Chatat for an unintentional violation for a prohibition, particularly Ben Adam Lamakom, that had they transgressed intentionally, B'Mezid, the punishment Chazal teach us would have been Karet. Should this transgression occur, bishogeg, then the actual animal that must be brought depends upon who the sinner is. If, for example, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest sins, then he must bring a bull, a par. So let us begin with the psukim, and we're going to see the four different categories of potential sinners. Peregdalid pasukimal, im ha-Kohen ha-Mashiach yachata, la-Shmat ha-Am, ve-Kriv al-Chatato, asher chata par ben bakar tamim, la-Dunai la-Chatat. Ve-Evi et-Apar al-Petacho al-Mo'ed, l'fnei Adonai, v-Samach et-Yado al-Rosh Apar, v-Shachat et-Apar l'fnei Adonai. If it's an anointed priest who sins, then he must bring his korban chatat from a par, from a young bull, without any blemish, as a sin offering, and he brings this at the entrance of Ol Moed, and he lays his hand upon the head of the bull, just as we've seen with previous karbanot, the smicha, and he slaughters the bull before Hashem. Pasuke, velakach ha-kohen ha-mashiach midam ha-par, ohel moed. And the anointed priest takes the blood, and as opposed to the blood of the animal sacrifices of the voluntary offerings of the olam the shlamim that we have seen before, this time, he does not sprinkle the blood on the Mizbeach, but instead brings the blood inside Ohel Moed, what is thereby going to be known as a chatat pnimit, a sacrifice wherein the blood actually goes inside the Mishkan. And once he's inside the Mishkan, the Kohen takes his finger into the blood and sprinkles the blood seven times before Hashem in front of the parochet, the veil or the curtain of the sanctuary. And 
ואת כל דם הפר ישפוך על יסוד מזבח העולה אשר פתח על מועד. And the priest takes the blood and sprinkles it on the corners or the horns of the מזבח הקטורת, which is generally used as an altar just for the sweet incense that is brought before Hashem. But particularly in these situations of Akarban Chatat, the blood is going to be sprinkled upon the Mizbeach HaKetoret, which is inside the Mishkan, the Tent of Meeting, and the remaining blood of the bull is going to be poured outside on the base of the altar of the burnt offering, otherwise known as the Mizbeach HaOla, which is in the Chatzer, which is on the outer exterior of the Ohel Moed. ואת כל חלב פר החטאת ירים ממנו את החלב המחסה על הקרב ואת כל החלב אשר על הקרב. And all the fat of the bull of this korban chatat of the sin offering is going to be removed. And the fat that covers all the innards and all the fat inside together with what we find in פסוק ט' את שתי הכליות את החלב אשר עליהן אשר על הכסלים ואת היותרת על הכבד על הכליות יסירנה and the two kibbutz two kidneys and the fat that's upon them, which is by the loins and the lobe above the liver, which ye shall take away from the kidneys. Just like we found that's taken from the ox of the shlamim, the priest then takes all of the schelev, all of the fat, and sacrifices it upon the mezbeach ha'ola. But everything else that remains has a different law. פסוק י"א, ואת אור הפר, ואת כל בשרו על ראשו ועל קרעיו, וקרבו ופרשו. But the skin of the bull, and the flesh of the bull, together with the major parts of the animal, namely the organs of the head, and the legs, and the innards. And פרשו, the dung as well. והוציא את כל הפר אל מחוץ למחנה, אל מקום טהור, אל שפך הדשן, ושרף אותו על עצים באש, אל שפך הדשן יישרף. The whole bowl basically is carried outside of the machane, outside of the camp, to a specified area where generally the ashes are taken. This is where the parhachatat is going to be burned on wood, set up with fire outside of the area of the mishkan. So uh, here we see a very particular formula of a karban chatat when a kohen, a leader of the Jewish people, himself sins, sins b'shogeg, an unintentional sin against God, this is going to create the necessity for what's known as a chatat p'nimit. Anytime the blood is going to be brought inside, the skin and the organs of the animals are going to be brought outside, and only the innards will be brought in the middle area, namely the mezbeh ha'ola in the chatzer. So note that, A parchatat has three different sections, not only of the animal, but also of the sacrifice. The blood goes inside, the animal outside, the innards itself, in the middle area of the chatzer of the mishkan. The next situation that we find, which begins a new parshia, is pasuk yud gimel. Ve'im kol adat Yisrael yishku, v'ne'alam davar me'ne ha'kahal, v'asu achat mikol metvot Adonai asher lo ta'asetnu v'ashimu, And if the whole congregation of Yisrael shall sin, a sin by mistake, an error, in a case where something was hidden from the eyes of the assembly and do or transgress a commandment that God had commanded not to be done, and v'ashimu, and they are guilty, v'nodah ha'chatat asher chatu aleha, v'hikrivo ha'kahal parben bakar l'chatat, b'viyu oto l'fnei o'mo'ed. When they recognize the sin that has been done, 
Then the assembly offers a chatat, a par just like the Kohen, a young bull for a sin offering, and they bring it to the Mishkan. What case is this referring to? This is a very special case of a mistaken halachic ruling by the Sanhedrin, by the elders, that ultimately is going to hold the entire peoples responsible, and therefore it's kol adat Yisrael. When could there possibly be a situation where all of Am Yisrael does something wrong unintentionally? This is when the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Halacha Court, rules mistakenly, which results in the entire nation inadvertently sinning. In this case, the members of the Sanhedrin must bring a special chatat offering, which is known by Chazal as par he'alim davar shel tzibur, a bull representing an inadvertent action committed by the entire assembly. So the representatives, this kinim, have to bring a similar karban chatat as the kohen. It's particularly the representatives of the people, the elders of the congregation, that perform the smicha, that lay their hands upon the heads of the par, the head of the bull before Hashem, and then the bull is slaughtered before Hashem. The anointed priest brings the blood of the bull inside the Mishkan. Just as we saw with the par chatat of the Kohen, so to here, the blood is going to be brought inside the Mishkan. The Kohen dips his finger in the blood, sprinkles it seven times in front of the parochet, in front of the dividing veil of the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodeshim, of the inner and outer sanctuaries. He places the blood upon the horns or the corners of the altar, whereupon incense is generally sacrificed. Again, the Mizbech HaZahav, also known as the Mizbech HaKatoret, and the remaining blood is going to be poured at the base of the Mizbech outside in the Chatzer, the courtyard of Oomoed. And the fat is removed from it and placed upon the Mizbech. And the Kohen, albeit a representative of the assembly, undergoes the same process as atonement for the par hachatat. He performs the same triple ceremony, one can call it, as the Kohen did with his own par hachatat, this time representing the par, the bull of the tibur, after sprinkling the blood of the bull inside and removing the innards and placing it on the mizbeach in the area of the courtyard, and then taking the skin and the head of the bull and burning it outside, he basically performs the same ceremony as what's known as the par chatat or the chatat pnimit. Once the blood was brought inside, the rest of the animal has to be burned outside. The next section, Pasuk Chafbet, Asher Nasi Yechata, Vasa Achat Mikol Mitzvot Adonai Elohav Asher Lotasena, Bishkaga, Vashem. When a ruler, apparently referring to a king, sins. And once again, this was a sin, an error, Bishogeg, and he went against the sin of Hashem. Oho da elav chatato Asher Chataba, Beviet Karbanos, Yerizim, Zachar Tamim. When a ruler sins, but perhaps he has to be told of his sin, he brings an offering, a karban chatat as well, not a bull, but rather a goat, 
a male goat that does not have any blemish, and he is responsible and must place his hands upon the head of the goat and slaughter it in the same place that we generally offer a karban ola, in the area of the mizbeach, and the Kohen sacrifices the Karban Chatat of Anasi in a very similar fashion as the sacrifice of a Karban Ola. He takes the blood of this sin offering with his finger, he places it upon the horns of the Mizbeach, and the remaining blood is going to be poured at the base of the altar of the offering. And the fat is also going to be placed upon the Mizbeach, the same way that the fat is sacrificed for a Karban Shlamim, and the priest shall make atonement for him concerning the sin of the Nasi, and thereby the ruler is forgiven. We now continue with the last category of the sinner, namely one of the common people who sins. If any one of the common people, the proletariat, sin through a shogeg, through an error, in going against one of the commandments of Hashem, So either he knows that he sinned, or it was known to him by someone else that he sins, then he has to bring a goat, a female goat, without any blemish for his sin. So notice that as opposed to the Nasi, who brings a male goat, the common person brings a female goat. And he lays his hand upon the head of the sin offering and then slaughters the sin offering in the same place as a karban ola. And the priest takes the blood with his finger, places it upon the horns of the Mizbeach of the Ola, and the remaining blood once again is poured out on the base of the altar. And all the fat is removed, just as we found by the sacrifice of the shlamim, the peace offerings. And then the Kohen continues by burning the rest of the karban chatat upon the mezbeach as a reach nichoach lahashem. And all of us should be surprised as soon as we hear this terminology of reach nichoach, because we noted that this generally does not appear in the section of the karban chova of the obligatory offerings, but rather is the motif in the nidava section, the voluntary offerings. The reason may lie in the fact that the layman may choose which animal to bring for his chatat. As of now, we're speaking about a female goat, but he may also bring a female lamb. Therefore, if he chooses the more expensive option, the goat, then his offering bears some nidava quality, thus warranting the description of reach nichoach. But another difference between the goat that we've been reading about and the lamb in the ensuing verses is that a lamb has a fat tail, the aliyah, that we mentioned yesterday, which precludes one from identifying the animal's gender from afar. Therefore, one looking upon a karban chatat from a distance might mistake a lamb for an ola, which is always male, as opposed to the layman's chatat, which has to be female. A goat, by contrast, has a very thin tail, allowing one to easily determine the animal's gender and hence its status as a chatat. 
Therefore, by bringing a goat rather than a lamb, the sinner, in a sense, is broadcasting his sin and repentance and announcing to all that he is bringing a chatat. This perhaps renders the chatat a pseudo-nidava, and that the sinner sacrifices his honor in order to demonstrate that he is undergoing a process of repentance. Nonetheless, he is allowed to bring a lamb, a female lamb, without blemish. And the sinner shall lay his hands upon the head of the sin offering, in this case the female lamb, and slaughter it as a chatat, in the same place where the Ola is offered, and the priest takes the blood of the sin offering with his finger, puts it upon the horns of the Mizbeach HaOla, and all the remaining blood, therefore, shall be placed or poured on the base of the altar. All the fat is taken away from the fat of the lamb, just as it was taken from the sacrifice of the shalamim, of the peace offering. And the kohen, the priest, places the rest of the animal upon the mizbeach, upon the altar, and thirby achieves kapara. The bal hakarban, the one who brought the karban, is then forgiven. We've already noted the refrain of all of these obligatory karbanot. Each karban chova concludes with the phrase, v'chiper alav ha-kohen v'neslachlo. Once again, we find a parallel to the events of Har Sinai. Recall that Aaron acted at Chet Egel with the best of intentions, only the results were disastrous. With the Shekhinah present, any transgression, even if it should have been unintentional, can invoke immediate punishment. Nevertheless, through Yugimel Mitzot Rachamim, God's attributes of mercy, he declares that Moshe may bring the second Luchot, allowing B'nai Israel a second chance, even if they sin, an opportunity to prove to Hashem their sincerity and resolve to exercise greater caution in the future. We also find a textual parallel in Moshe Rabbeinu's statement before he ascended Har Sinai to seek repentance for Chaita Egel. Moshe Rabbeinu had told the people, Atem chatatem chata Ulai achapra ba'ad chatatrim. You have sinned a grave sin, but perhaps I can protect you for your sin. So later, when Moshe actually receives the 13 Midot Rachamim on Har Sinai with the second Luchot, he requests atonement for Chetegel. This is the key phrase of the Korban Chobah. The Korban Chobah serves as a vehicle by which one can ask forgiveness for sins committed Bishogeg and beseech Hashem to activate his Midot Rachamim as he did by Har Sinai to save Am Yisrael from any punishment that they may deserve. So if the Karban Nidava highlights the Mishkan's function as the perpetuation of Mamad Har Sinai, then the Karban Chava underscores the Mishkan's role as a means of atonement for Chita Egel. So as a quick review, for which sins are we obligated to bring a sin offering of the Chatat? The answer to this is given four times in the Parsha. In chapter 4, verse 1, verse 13, 22, and 27, all four sources mention three elements which define the sin requiring a sin offering. The first is the sin being performed unintentionally, bishogeg, which means that a person who sins knowingly cannot achieve atonement through the sin offering, and he is not permitted to bring one. The second is that the sin involves an act. A sin that does not involve some action does not require a sin offering. 
And lastly, the sin is committed against any of God's mitzvot, things that should not be done. In other words, the person has transgressed a negative commandment. A sin offering, then, is not brought for failing to fulfill a positive commandment. Unlike the broad and somewhat vague definition of the sins for which a karban chatat must be brought, the Torah continues in chapter 5 to clearly define three sins for which a specific chatat, known as the chatat olevio raid, literally ascending and descending offering, is required. The first category in chapter 5 begins with a list of three specific types of transgressions, including the case when a person refuses to provide witness, or should one accidentally enter the temple or the mishkan while spiritually unclean, or should one not keep a promise to do or not do something made with an oath. Should one transgress in regard to any one of these three cases, the specific offering that he must bring depends on his income. Let's begin with reading the psukim of chapter 5. V'nefesh kitachata v'shama kol ala v'hu'ed o ra'a o yada im lo yagid v'nasa ovono. The sin addressed in this verse is called by Chazal Shvu'at Heidut, the oath of testimony. If witnesses have testimony to offer in a monetary case, and the person to whom the money is owed demands that they testify on his behalf, and they deny their knowledge and do not testify, swearing instead that they have no knowledge to testify on his behalf, such an oath that they are unable to testify requires an ascending and descending offering whether they committed this knowingly or unintentionally. The next case, One that touches anything that is impure, and it's hidden for him so that he is impure and guilty. Or if he touches the impurity of man, of any type of impurity that pertains to man, and that's also hidden from him, and he discovers it and is guilty. The sin discussed here is committed unintentionally. It's hidden from him. But what is this actual sin? The Rambam explains that we've learned from tradition that this is referring to someone who became impure and entered the mikdash or aid of sacrifices unknowingly. The Rambam believes that this halakha can be derived from the literal meaning of the text. And the third case in this category, a violated oath. If a person swears, declaring verbally to do either evil or good, whatever he shall declare with his oath, and it's hidden from him, and then he discovers it and is guilty, he must confess his sin. This sin discussed here is known by Chazal Eshvu'at Habitui, wherein a person made an oath of a certain kind and then unintentionally violated his oath. An interesting question arises as one pays attention to the order of the sins requiring the sacrifice of a chatat olev yoreid. And that is, why does the Torah separate the first case of Shvu'at Ha'idut, the oath of testimony that is not fulfilled, from the Shvu'at Habitui? The last case of a violated oath, placing the person who is impure unknowingly in between them. Seemingly, this has nothing to do with the oaths that precede and follow the case of impurity. It seems that the order here is determined not by the actual legal character of the sins involved, but rather the nature of the atonement that's affected by the sacrifices that we're going to learn. What's unique to the instance of Shuat Ha'idut is that the sacrifice atones even in this case where the person committed the sin knowingly. He knowingly did not provide for testimony when he should have. 
In the cases, however, of defiling the mikdash or violating an oath, the sacrifice atones for these people who committed the sin unintentionally, like most of the sacrifices of atonement. This is underscored stylistically in the threefold repetition of the words Vineelamimenu, and it is hidden from him in the two later sins, whereas this expression does not appear regarding the first sin of Shvuateidut. So the order in which the Torah presents these sins highlights the unique aspect of the first sin of Shvuateidut, the oath of testimony, wherein even if one did not offer testimony knowingly, he still has an option of offering a karban chatat olevio raid. Let us see now what is ascending and descending in this specific korban. And if one is guilty of one of the aforementioned sins, then he may confess, and then, and he shall bring for his sin a female lamb or goat as a karban chatat, his sin offering, and the priest shall atone for him. And if his means do not suffice for him to bring a lamb, in other words, he cannot afford to bring a lamb, then he may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as an ola as a burnt offering, and he will bring these birds to the priest. The first one that he offers will be the sin offering. He will pinch off its head close to its neck without fully dividing it. And just as we found from the possibility of bringing a bird for an ola offering, he then takes the sprinkling of the blood from this bird of the sin offering. It's sprinkled on the side of the mizbeach, and the rest of the blood is drained out on the base of the altar as a karban chatat. And the second bird is brought as a burnt offering, through which the priest shall atone for his sin. And if a man is so poor that he cannot even afford to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he may bring for his korban chatat a mincha, a grain offering, tenth of an eifa, fine flour, but this time bringing it for his sin, and he shall not put oil upon it, nor any type of levona, no frankincense, for it's a sin offering. He brings it to the priest, who then takes a komet, a handful of the flower offering, and places it upon the mezbeach as a sin offering. Through sacrificing the handful of flour upon the altar, the Kohen achieves atonement and may eat the remaining of the flour just as he does for the Karban Mencha, the meal offering. To summarize, in the aforementioned cases of not offering an oath of testimony even knowingly or defiling the Mikdash and its sacred items unknowingly or violating an oath unknowingly, one is required to bring a Karban Chatat but this time, it's a specific offering that depends on his income. 
If he's wealthy, he brings a female lamb or a she-goat. If he's more middle class, he can bring two birds instead. If he is significantly poor, he brings a simple flower offering. Although in verse 5, the term asham or vayakia asham, guilt is used in reference to these acts, the Torah still calls this karban achatat. Firstly, the standard case, namely if the transgressor is wealthy, provides for a female goat or sheep, which is exactly the same animal as a regular chatat. In addition, the psukim describing the chatat o levio raid, the literally up and down chatat, are included in the same dibur that began in the first verse of chapter 4 that discussed the classic karban chatat. We don't find a new dibur until after the karban chatat o levio raid, which begins the karban asham description only in verse 14. We now understand why this korban chatat is called olev yored, literally up and down, as the name relates to the graduated scale, which depends entirely upon the individual's financial status. One could suggest that the Torah offers this graduated scale because these specific transgressions are very common, and hence it would become rather costly for the average person to offer an animal for such transgressions. The final cases of the obligatory sacrifices from chapter 5, verse 14 till the end of the chapter will include several other categories of transgressions that require what the Torah refers to as karban asham, a guilt offering. Tomorrow we will be Hashem, learn these cases together and thereby summarize all of the obligatory offerings with which Parshat Vayikra will conclude.